You may recall I shared you the last weekend that Joe was going to be here this weekend, and we are on this uh, journey that we began last week on getting everybody debt-free, and so we invited Joe to come in to kind of help us and encourage us along the way and uh, kind of kick it off for us. And so, Joe, we're glad to have you, and uh, before you start, I'd like to just encourage you, grab a Bible, would you, right now? Just grab a Bible, and I want you to open it up, just oh, anywhere, just open it up. Just have it open, and I'm going to pray for Joe. God, we just open up your word, and I pray that it's just like our hearts, that our hearts would be open for the message that Joe has for us. God, you gave him a message just for us. And so, Lord, we look forward to opening up this word together, and we pray that you would bless him and anoint him, and that you would uh, give him the words that you want us to hear so that our hearts would be changed forever. And so we want to thank you for this man and thank you that he's here among us and just pray that our hearts would be receptive to the message from you. In Christ's name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Awesome. How are you guys doing this morning? Is this thing on? Hi, I'm Joe. What's your name? Let's try that again. My name's Joe. What's your name? I heard it. I heard Ruth again. I shook Ruth's hand earlier. Well, my name's Joe. I'm the youngest of six boys. I am fired up to be here. And I, I might have a little too much energy and I might be a little loud. I apologize. I blame it on the fact that I am the youngest of six boys. My parents had four boys. They tried one more time six years later for a girl. And it was March 31st, just a couple hours before April Fool's Day. My mom is in labor and the nurse says, I think I just heard two heartbeats. And my mom said, that's not funny. It's going to be one, and it's going to be a girl. And out came my twin brother, and seven minutes later, the identical twin, me, showed up. And my mom cried, and she said, the Lord has spoken. If we try again, we're going to have triplet boys. We're done. <laughs> so, so that's why I'm a little loud. When you're the youngest of six, and you're getting beat up all the time, you kind of just use your voice and anything you can to be heard. But I'm excited to be here this morning at Messiah to be able to speak about a subject that is, it can cause some tense uh, feelings, it can cause some frustration, it can cause some nervousness, and of course, it's about money. Has anyone ever been broke before? Anybody here ever been broke in your life? I'm talking, I'm talking college broke. You, do you know what, I mean, I'm talking, you, you had a $20 bill and it's equivalent to a million bucks. Because you can get three pizzas from Mad Mushroom and go to Burger King a couple times for the dollar Whopper that they would give you a coupon for. I've been broke. And I don't know why it is, but whenever we think about having been broke, we smile about it. Have you noticed that? We always smile and laugh about it. Man, we were broke back then. But if we're broke right now, we ain't smiling. Is that right? I mean, there, there's good chance there's someone here this morning that is broke. I've been there, and I'm telling you this morning that I believe that the message God has given me can speak to those of you here who are broke and to those who you've been broke at one point in time in your life, and I'm praying, I'm desperately praying that the message will help you be able to, to take your next steps towards Jesus and towards your next steps that God wants you to take financially. I'm going to teach this morning from a parable that Jesus told. I love reading the red letters in my Bible because it's the man 
It's Jesus himself. And we get to read it and hear what the man had to say. And so if you'd turn to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, it's in your books there at the pew. It's page 392 in the Bible's there. That's where we're going to start. I'm not going to read all the scripture to start here, but we will read it all today. It's the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. I'm going to summarize the parable for you. Jesus is telling a story about an owner who entrusted three of his servants with some talents. To one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two. Another one, he gave one. Many of you know the story. The owner went away, and after some time, he returned, and there was a time in which he said, let's see what you've done with it. The guy with five, he had doubled his with five more. The guy with two, he had doubled his, so he had two more. And the guy with one, some of you know the story. Tell me, help me, what, what did he do? He buried it. And you can cue, if this is a movie, you can cue the very bad sinister music. This is not good. He buried his, and Jesus says that the owner said, throw that worthless servant outside where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and it's not good for him. In fact, they took the one from him and gave it to the one who had had five in the first place. And through this parable, we're going to look at what God can speak to us about how we can manage the resources he's given us. I wanted to start out by sharing a verse in the Bible and the first point this morning from Psalm 24.1. Psalm 24.1, it, it says this. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and all who live in it. That means God owns it all. That's my first point, that if you don't get any other point this morning, I want you to leave here knowing clearly, without a shadow of a doubt, God owns it all. Is that right? God owns it all. I mean, a lot of times we can hear this giving thing that we should give and that God owns that, but then we get to keep the rest and we can kind of think we're owners of it. Not true. God owns all of it. See, I was broke. I was, listen, I was so broke, I had to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and lick other people's fingers. That's how broke I was. That's pretty broke. I mean, I was so broke, I had an average bank balance of $4.13 at the end of the month, and I celebrated because it was positive. Woo! We made it another month. Don't move, baby, something might happen. Guess what? It always did, and we put it on our credit card. We were broke. I mean, and here's the deal. It wasn't because God wasn't blessing me. It was because I wasn't managing what he had given me, and I did not recognize he was the owner. See, I was giving to his work, and I thought, well, God should bless me. And then I was broke, and I thought God wasn't blessing me. But the truth is, I wasn't managing it knowing he was the owner. I was acting like I was the owner. God owns it all. We, we, I went to Purdue University. Is there any Big Ten fans here at all? I root for Big Ten when it's, I seen two hands. That must be a Michigan fan there, right? But here's the deal. I went to Purdue, got a mechanical engineering degree. I got a great job. I, I moved to the South with a job transfer. I was pursuing my dream of being a corporate 
uh, Fortune 500 CEO, so I went and got my MBA from Clemson. And so all that meant is they paid me more money, and I, every time I got another pay raise, I managed to spend all of it plus some more. I had a very special talent for spending everything God gave me plus some more. Is there any spenders in the house this morning? Any? I mean, spenders, raise their hand. Yes, it's me, right? The savers are like, I try to control that. Please pray for me, right? It's hard. I'm a spender. And when I would go out at lunch, I wouldn't spend too much, you know, on, at lunch. I wouldn't come home and say, baby, I spent too much for lunch. I went to Olive Garden. I'm sorry. I would go out and accidentally buy a truck. That's just how I rolled. I don't recommend that. That's how you keep yourself perpetually broke. And I one day had to wake up and recognize that God owned it all. Last week, Pastor talked about many of us have dug holes. Is that right? You have dug holes. We've dug financial holes, spiritual holes, relational holes. And I want to say this morning that if you've dug a hole, you need to apply the first rule of holes. You know what the first rule of holes is? When you're in one, stop digging. Throw the shovel away. For me, I had a credit card. I was a three-time loser with credit cards. I'd use tax refund after tax refund after tax refund. I had charged every single Christmas, every single vacation, and every single time the tax refund was supposed to carry it all, I had spent that tax refund five times before it got to me. Maybe I'm telling your story. And one day I woke up and recognized God owns it all. It changes your perspective when you realize that. When you recognize you're not the owner, it takes a lot of stress off the situation. Did you know that? Like I own a company. There's stress related to owning a company. You have to deal with people. My man, Jesus, help me manage these people, right? Because they're fallen just like we are. And then we have to deal with money and accounting and sales and all that. It drives you nuts. But listen, when it comes to the resources God's given you, you're not responsible for that part. God owns it all. We're just managers. I love what one of my heroes, Dave Ramsey, says. He says, if you were the owner of You Incorporated, should you fire you? <laughs> That's true, right? For me, I had to fire myself. I had to recognize that God owns it all. And as we dive into the, the parable of the talents, I, the second point this morning is that God has blessed me with some. God has blessed me with some. Has God blessed you with any today? Is, is there anyone here who would say, God has blessed me? Now, some of you might say, not enough, right? But God has blessed us all with some. If we look over 2010, God has blessed us all with some. Varying amounts, but he's blessed us with some. And if we pick it up there in Matthew 25, verses 14 uh, through 15, it says this. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another, two talents, and to another, one talent. Don't miss this. What's it say? Read it with me. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. You want more? Manage what you've got to the best of your ability. Watch what happens. What I've found 
repeated throughout all the people that I met. We've been able to teach over 100,000 people over the last four years of this stuff. And what we found is those who increase their ability to manage, they just get more. He gave one five, one two, and one one, each according to their ability. Let's read on. In verse 16 through 18, it says, the man who'd received the five talents went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more. He doubled his money. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. He doubled his money. But the man who'd received the one talent went off. And as pastor said last week, he's right there in the message. He dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. What are you doing with what God's given you? Are you maximizing those resources for him? When was the last time that you received money? God gave you some money. And before you spent a dime of it, you stopped and prayed to God and said, thank you, Jesus, for giving me this money. What do you want me to do with it? When was the last time you did that? It'll change your life if you haven't done that in a while. See, I've seen money management gone bad. I know you have, and it's easy to see it in other people's lives. Is that right? Like I went to uh, lunch with my daughter. I have a 10-year-old daughter. She's awesome. Her name's Malia. She is out of control. She is a spender. She inherited it all from me. Pray for her. <laughs> and so I go to lunch with her once a week. And I go eat lunch, and I, I sit down with her, and I'm talking. And there's this thing that over the last couple of years has kind of taken over the kids' lives. And maybe you've heard of them. They're called webkins. Have you heard of them? I mean, for those of you who haven't heard of what a Webkins is, I'm going to tell you what it is right now. I'm going to enlighten you. It is a stuffed animal, a stuffed animal, y'all, on crack. That's what it is. It's a genius idea. It's a real stuffed animal that they put a code on it. And you go to the internet and you put the code in and your animal comes to life online. It's like your stuffed animal has a Facebook page. It's really out of control. And so I'm sitting there. The average one costs $12, $13. And I'm sitting there, and I'm talking with my daughter's friends. And one of her friends brags, I have 53 of them. Now, I went to Purdue. I can't do hard math, but 50 times 12 is over 600 bucks, somewhere there, right? And my immediate thought was, how in the world can you play with 53? And I wonder if that child has a college fund. That's money management gone crazy. We've seen money management gone crazy. Now you need to pray for me because I think we have 20 in my house now, right? But we, she has a college fund. So we've seen money management gone crazy. We know that we, we've seen it all throughout life. Money management gone nuts. I actually had a person I was coaching, uh, doing one-on-one -on -one financial coaching with uh, about four weeks ago. And they brought in their credit card statement and uh, President Obama and the Congress have implemented a new rule that on your credit card statement, it has to say, hey, if you pay the minimum payments over the next whatever number of periods, this is when it will finally pay off. Here's how much you'll pay total. This statement, they were paying the minimum payment. They had a $6,030 debt. I, I took a picture of the statement. I mean, it actually says that if they keep paying the payment they're paying, it will be 51 years when they pay it off. And they will have paid over 
Is that money management good? That honors God or bad? Yes or no? <laughs> bad. <laughs> we know that. Sometimes bad money management decisions stand out to us. Sometimes it's more subtle. We may not see it as much. God has blessed us with some, and it's our challenge to manage it to the best of our ability for him. Because after all, he's the owner. I, I, I started out in 2000 for doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I was, I, listen, I had been broke. I was so, I mean, I, I had $4.13 in the bank account. I had had enough. And I said one day, December 2nd, 2002, I'm not living this way anymore. I had an I-H-H-E moment. H have you ever had one? And I have had enough moment. An I-H-H-E moment. Maybe you had it with your kids on the way to church this morning, right? <laughs> You didn't have coffee yet. You hadn't went through the drive-through out here. You, you, they were on your one, you had one nerve left and they're standing on it and stomping on it. And you're, you get them in the car. You don't know how that outfit got on her or on him, but we're going anyhow, we're late. And you get here, they're screaming about somebody's on my side and she touched me and you got your arm in the back arranging traffic. Is that right? Have you ever done that? And then you get to the door, to the church, you screech into your parking spot and you drag them out to the front door of the church and say, we're church, smile, Jesus loves you, I've had enough. <laughs> Have you been there? This morning, I'll pray for you, Jesus, help them. <laughs> I got there with my finances, December 2nd, 2002, I said, I have had enough. This is not honoring God. I'm sick of living this way. I'm going to have problems all my life, but I don't want to have money problems my whole life. And we said no matter what, we're not doing this anymore. I'm not charging nothing. I'm paying it all off. If I have to live in a ditch, I'm living in a ditch. If I have to live in a Maytag refrigerator box, I'm through living this way. Have you ever been there? Can you tell I'm a little passionate about it? When you get passionate about it, when you've had enough, Things change. When my mama had enough, it ended up with a switch. And I took a switch to my finances. And in 14 months, we became debt-free, except for a house. The average family here this morning who has debt could be debt-free in 18 to 36 months. And if you include the house in seven to 10 years, it'll change your life. It changed my life. I started going around telling everybody, you can be debt-free. You can be debt-free. It's so awesome being debt-free. It's unbelievable. You understand your salvation that much more, that Jesus paid a debt we could never repay. And you become debt-free when you give your life to him. And then you find out when you're financially free, you understand that freedom even more. It's unbelievable. And this family they, at church had asked for help, and they said, well, what do we do with Joe? He's like foaming at the mouth at this. Maybe he could help them. That poor couple. I showed up. You can be debt free. Yes, you can. And I said, do you have income? Yes, we do. I said, that's awesome because that's very helpful to have income. <laughs> like if you're broke, like a good place to go is to work, right? Like seriously, if you're 30 and living in mama's basement, work might be good for you, right? So I'm just saying. But here's the deal. I, I started helping them. I start working through it. We got income. We go through it. And this is a family of four, two teenage kids in the house. I said, how much for groceries? And they said, $200. I said, like per week? Per person? What? No, $200 for the family for the month. 
I went, well, you're going to have skinny kids. And they had skinny kids, very skinny kids. And I'm like, we're coming back to that. And we kept going and we got down to the goats. And I said, what in the world are these goats? Well, they had goats. They raised them with 4-H. They drive 45 minutes each way to feed these goats high octane alfalfa hay. And I said, how much for the goats? And they said, $400. We put it in there. We go on, put everything in there. They're overspent. And I said, I can help you. And they said, do you think we can? I said, you can win with your money. I know you can. And they said, well, really? And you can see hope rising up in them. I said, I know you can. And they said, tell us, Joe, tell us what we can do. And I said, okay, here's the deal. When are you going to go feed your goats next? And they said, we're going this afternoon. I said, great. So now here's what you're going to do. You're going to drive over there and you're going to kill those goats and you're going to eat them and you're going to solve your grocery problem and your goat problem at the same time. They never invited me back, <laughs> ever. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, it would have worked. How crazy is it when we would feed the animals more than we would feed our own kids? We know money management gone crazy. Sometimes it's, it's more subtle. subtle. We, it's, it's that credit card that just sneaks up on us. We don't save for car repairs. We forget that car tires and brakes wear out. So we don't save for it. And then we got to replace them and we don't have money. We forget that they collect property taxes on a very frequent basis in large amounts of money. And we need to pay them or else they take our stuff. But we forget and there it goes into debt. We forget that we need to save for vacation and then we, we're so tired, we take the vacation anyhow. We forget, and all of a sudden, before we know, we're tangled up in debt. And it does not have to be that way. God has blessed me with some. The third point this morning is that I will be held accountable by God. I will be held accountable by God. He's given me some, I'm gonna be held accountable. In verse 19, it says this says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. I don't know how long it was. Like, I wish the Bible would tell me what after a long time means. Because when I was wanting to get out of debt, a long time was a month. I wanted to be out of debt. And when I wanted a car, I could get a car in a day. How come I can't get debt free in a day? Right? I want to know. But it says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And, and then I, as I read this story, I saw three categories of people in the story. And I want you this morning to find out which category you're in. Which category are you in? And I'm going to have a specific challenge for each of those categories. Are you ready? The first category is those who've managed well. Those who have managed well. We pick it up in verse 20. It says, the man who'd received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. And as master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. And as master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. These guys manage well. And there's no doubt in my mind 
There's many of you here today who have honored God with all of what he's given you. We've made mistakes, but you can say this morning, you can, it's with a grateful heart you can say, I've managed well. And you're the ones that are smiling at me because you know God's word is so true. You know it's awesome to be able to give, to be able to give to the house of the Lord, to be able to impact a community, to see a need and just fund it, to be able to be called to do something, go do it. It's awesome to know that we have the greatest money book ever written, God's word, and that when we follow it, when we apply it, when we exercise the fruit of the spirit of self-control, it just absolutely changes our life and changes others too. You've managed well. And if that's you this morning, I want to challenge you with three, three things. Three things. The first thing is, I want you to wake up every single morning and give thanks to God that his word is true and that he's faithful to it. Say, thank you, God, for blessing me. Because when you, when you do that, you recognize as he is the owner, I'm just the manager, what can I do to, to bless you and your people this week? What can I do to bless you and your people today? And so thank God every single day. And then I'm challenging you, please, 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 please go tell others. Please go teach others. Do you, let, let me do a poll today. How many of you had more than one class on personal finances in all of your education? More than one class. How many of you had zero classes on personal finances? Yes, I had one class. It was the home economics class. It should be about the home economy. We learned how to make no-bake cookies, which we didn't even put in the oven. I mean, we didn't learn anything about money. And so here's the deal. We, let, the three biggest things that people's lives are messed up with, marriage, parenting, and finances, they don't teach that in schools. Isn't that crazy? So this finance thing, you need to go teach others. We need about 180,000 people teaching this stuff, saying God's word is true, saying Proverbs 22, seven, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower servant to the lender. You covered that last week. Over here on the credit card, it says Romans 13, eight at the bottom, it says, let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. And Proverbs 13, 22, that says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children that you leave an inheritance for your grandchildren. That Proverbs 13, 11, which you shared last week, says dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. You can go all through scripture in 2 Corinthians and in 9, and you can go through all the scripture and find that one third of Jesus' parables were, were about money and possessions. Teach it. Please, I beg you, don't keep it to yourself. Teach your kids. Teach those in your life. I beg you, teach this stuff. If you manage well, pray every day, thanking God for it. Go teach others. And the third thing, guard yourself. It is so easy to start transferring your faith, hope, and trust from Jesus to your stuff. Isn't it? Like you can start to define yourself by your house, by your car, by your land, by your 401k. I mean, it's been great over the last couple of years. I mean, the 401k, you've been able to test whether or not you've put your trust and faith and hope in that a little too much, right? Because, you know, you, you're, the million dollars, it disappeared, right? And all of a sudden you're sitting there saying, oh, my 401k, it turned into a 201k, and now it's a box of special K. <laughs> <laughs> and it collapsed, right? People have put their faith, hope, and trust in their homes. It got repoed. They put their faith, hope, and trust in their career. 
the doors got closed. And what they're finding is the Bible is true, that nothing lasts beyond Christ. He's the only firm foundation. Build your life on that. Guard yourself. The second category that I saw in here is those who've managed poorly. Those who have managed poorly. Verse 24 through 30 talks about it. It says, then the man who'd received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. He tried to put the spin cycle on it. Did you see that? He's presenting it in the best possible light. He didn't do anything, but he's saying, I, I protected it. And then he says this. In verse 26, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's where I was at. They managed poorly. Seven, you know, I, I looked at my life. I had student loan debt, multiple credit card debt. I had, I had furniture debt. I had engagement ring debt, wedding ring debt. I had honeymoon debt. I had a car debt. I had a truck debt. I had some, I mean, there was no debt I did not like. I signed up for all of it. <laughs> and then this crazy thing happened. I discovered that all the lenders wanted their money back. That was not nearly as exciting. It's an, it was enticing to have all the stuff, not nearly as fun to pay it all back. And I'm telling you, I was not managing it well. I was in this category of managing poorly. I was not honoring God with what he was giving me. In fact, I went so far as that for a period of time, I didn't even give the tithe back to God. I did not give tithes and offerings back to God. And instead, I took my tithe and financed my truck with it. And took my tithe, and instead of sending it to the house of the Lord, I sent it to GMAC. The last I checked, GMAC has not changed my life for the better. What I do know is that when something happens that's real bad in my life, I don't run to GMAC. I run to Jesus. I need to give, I should have had the bumper sticker on my truck that said, I'm driving my tithe. And I, I would laugh to keep from crying. I mean, I, I'm so broke that when, when I was walking down the street with one shoe on. Somebody said, hey, you lost a shoe. And I said, I found one. It, I mean, when they'd hit my doorbell, I'd have to yell ding dong out the window. I mean, I was broke. I had all my money spent. And it did not honor God, and it caused this special level of holy stress in my life, right? When you come home, and guys, maybe especially, I don't know what it's like for you ladies when you come home to a stressful household. I know what it's like to come home to a stressed wife. It's not good. And I found that when you get the money thing right, it takes a lot of the stress away. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And what it really does is it increases the unity in our marriage. If you've managed poorly, if you're in the hole, it's time to dig out of the hole. The first step is to throw the shovel away. Throw the shovel away. Do not go one more day living that way. It is not worth it. There are people 
who've managed poorly. As I was looking at this, I was prompted by God. I, I really felt this thing to ask, who's not mentioned in this story? Who's not mentioned in this story? We talked about those who manage well, those who've managed poorly. And I'm telling you, I've read this story 30 times. But for some reason, God said to ask the question, who's not mentioned in this story? And I realized that 70% of Americans aren't even included in this story. 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. They have zero money left. Over the last year or so, they've saved about 1% of their annual income. For the five-year period prior to that, they saved minus 2%. They carry debt. They carry stress. They don't have a dime. And when I look in this story, the guy who scolded, he actually kept what he was given. Did you notice it? He kept it. He buried it. He kept it. If we were to include the Americans who are living 70% of them, paycheck to paycheck, this is the way it should read. I know you gave me one. Um, I spent that. And uh, I financed 30% more. Can I get a loan? Is that right? This guy kept what he was given. But 70% of Americans have not. In fact, the average American family over the last 10 years, who've worked for the last 10 years, has been able to earn about $500,000. The average family has earned about $50,000 a year for the last 10 years. That's half a million dollars, yet 70% of them exited that 10-year period with less than $2,000 to their name. Does that honor God, yes or no? No. It breaks his heart. Here's why. Because he's given us these resources so that we can be able to go bless others, to be able to produce wealth, so that we can go do what he's calling us to do and take a huge paycheck cut, whatever it is. It, he's getting it so you, you can position yourself to go be a blessing to others. It's amazing. And here's what I know. And it's the final point this morning. And it, it's this. I can be financially free. You can be financially free. We know that God owns it all. He's blessed us with some, and, and we know that we'll be held accountable, but we can win with money. We can absolutely win with money. See, I was broke, and it was horrible. It was terrible. And one day I woke up and said, I'm not living this way anymore. I opened God's word, and I started begging him to show me a way to do it different. I'd used the tax refunds towards my debt. Didn't work. I'd said, we're going to do a budget. We'd prepare the budget. Two days later, we're not even following it. The only thing the budget was good for was starting a fire. Maybe you've been there. And one day I just said, God, I'm living the definition of insanity. How can I break free of this? And you know what? He showed me. By applying his scripture and his word, and by saying, I'm the manager, not the owner, I've been able to become debt-free. God willing, by the end of this year, we're gonna be 100% debt-free, 36 years old and own everything, including the house. But let me tell you something. It's while I took a 50% pay cut to go to work for a church that I got to help start. I wanna tell you the story of it, and then we'll land the plane. In 1999, I was pursuing my dream of being a Fortune 500 CEO, so I transferred from just south of Indianapolis, Indiana, where I grew up, to South Carolina. I had high expectations. I said, uh, if I find one palm tree, I'm moving. I found lots of palm trees, so I moved. 
So I went there and I started uh, working there and I ran into a guy who was passionate about making Jesus famous to the community. And let me tell you what happened. My wife and I and 13 others just started saying, what would it look like if some people said, we're not gonna worry about ourselves, we're gonna go care for others. And the church started growing, people started responding and it took resources and I started giving to it and people started meeting Christ and it was changing their lives and I got to be a part of it and we started running 190 people. It was unbelievable. This is a town of 28,000 people. And so we said, we're running out of this space at this little chapel that we're meeting. So we're gonna go meet in the Fine Arts Center, which is 1,100 seats. 190 people going to 1,100 seats. That's like rattling around like BBs in a box car, empty. And my pastor, who God gives vision to pastors and sometimes it scares you, right? He gave him a vision and said, we're not gonna fill it up once, God's gonna fill it up twice. He was wrong, it filled up four times. And then it just kept growing. More people meeting Jesus, unbelievable. And I went on staff there in 2006. The first Sunday I was there, 214 people made Jesus Lord of their life, unbelievable. We've had over 6,000 people accept Christ and make Jesus Lord of their life through this church. Last Sunday, we had 14,100 people there in a town of 28,000, transforming a community, transforming a state. And you know what? I see all the DNA at Messiah. I see it here. I see you loving on this community. I, I, I see what's happening with the young kids coming over here every single day. I, I see, I, I hear about what's going on when you're helping people take their next steps in issues and with their marriage and over 700 people through the marriage class. When you're being real, when you're being practical, when you're being transparent, when you're helping people recognize that Jesus is relevant, he cares deeply for them and that whatever their problem is, he's bigger. It'll change your life, it'll change a community. And I'm telling you what, what better investment is there than that? Is there an amen in the house? So my challenge to you this morning is this. What is your next step? What is your next financial step you need to take? Some of you know, some of you are wrestling with, I don't know. God will tell you. This afternoon at five o'clock, I'll be teaching the financial learning experience. It's a two hour class where I teach the principles that I use to get financially free. If you're already one, I challenge you to be here because you will be equipped with tools you can take to others that you do know that are struggling. If you are struggling, I promise you, it will help you take your next steps. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to be at Messiah. I see your work and your handprints and fingerprints and DNA all over this church. God, thank you for what you're doing through these people. I, I am so thankful for their heart for you. I could hear it in the prayer this morning, in the prayer as I was here yesterday. Jesus, I know that there are some who have come here this morning who are hopeless. And you are the author of hope. And I just pray that you will help them take their next steps towards you and have hope restored. Jesus, for those who are, are facing tough marital situations and finances are causing so much stress, I pray that you would remove that stress, that you would enable them to unite together to say, hey, this finance thing, Jesus, you have it. We're gonna commit it all to you. Help us take our next steps. And I ask that you would remove that stress and help them walk forward in unity. Jesus, thank you so much for loving us, 
for dying for us, paying a debt we could not pay. And I pray all this in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.